everyone has questions. Why am I here? Where will I go when I die? Is there really truth? But not everyone has biblical answers. Welcome to The Pastor Study, a ministry of pastorstudy.org. Join us now as we study the Bible to draw closer to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Here is Pastor Tom Brock. Welcome to the Pastor's Study. Now in the United States, about eight states have homosexual marriage. In the United States, I guess the figure is a little more than one out of four pregnancies end in abortion. We have a higher abortion rate in the United States than pagan Europe. The United States is the largest producer and exporter of pornography worldwide. And I don't get cable TV. I just get regular TV. I turned on Channel 9 TV here in Minneapolis a while ago and on regular TV heard the F word three times in about two minutes. What is God going to do with the United States? The Bible says, to, to him who much is given, much shall be required. The United States has been given so much. And I was having an argument this week with a liberal relative of mine and I said, I'm amazed we haven't had more 9-11s the way we're thumbing our nose at God. And my relative said, oh, you think 9-11 was God's judgment on America? I said, yeah. And she said, oh, my loving God would never do that. I said, mine would. Read your Bible. When the Jews in the Old Testament went after false God, God would raise up the Assyrians to spank them. God spanks us for our good, so we'll get back to our, our Lord. So the question I want us to ask today is, given the current moral situation in the United States, given our financial crisis in the, in the United States, how should we Christians be investing our money? In gold and silver, in real estate, or world missions? <laughs> well, what I want to do is, I want to just ask you before we jump into this, ask yourself this question. What are you trusting right now to take care of you? Are you trusting your bank account to take care of you? Or are you trusting God to take care of you? If you're trusting your bank account to take care of you, I bet you don't give much to the work of the Lord. But if you're trusting God to take care of you, I bet you're a generous giver at your church or to world missions. What I want to do for this sermon is just ask the question, what is the Bible's advice to me about money? Let's pray first. Father, we want to pray now as we talk about money, and it's such a touchy subject. We, we don't want to hear about it, and frankly, there are days I don't want to preach about it. Lord, we would ask you just to help us hear what your Bible has to say about money, and then, God, give us the grace to carry it out. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some biblical principles about money. Principle number one from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, the Apostle Paul writes, on the first day of every week, that was Sunday, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Notice it's, he says, every day. Principle number one, get into a weekly habit of giving. It says the first day of every week. Get into a weekly habit of giving. You know, you don't wait till the week's end or the month's end or the year's end. You give regularly the beginning of every week. That shows faith. You don't do it. You know what? When, you know the best giving month for most churches? It's December. 
the end of the year, we see how much we might have left over, and we give it to God so that we can get a tax break. That shows no faith whatsoever. Give the first day of the week, give regularly, and that shows faith that God's going to take care of you. Next principle. 1 Corinthians 6, next verse, verse 2. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside, store it up. It says, each of you. <clears throat> next principle, everybody gives. Paul does not say in 1 Corinthians 16, the rich people of your church should give. He says, everybody should give, which means poor people can give too. My dad ran the racetrack in Omaha, so when I was a teenager, I worked at the racetrack. Can, you tell, can I tell you what I noticed? Lots of poor people buy tickets at the racetrack. When I'm standing in line at Super America, lots of poor people are buying lottery tickets in front of me. Uh, poor people can go to the racetrack, they can buy the lottery, they can tithe. And you know what? A lot of poor people do tithe to their church. Some of the best givers in your church are the poor people. In fact, I, I remember talking to a, a couple who were not doing well financially, and they said to me, you know, Pastor Tom, we've decided to sponsor our third child through Compassion International. So everybody gives. Next principle, 1 Corinthians 16 again, verse 2. Each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper. Here's the next principle. Give as you prosper. Now follow this. The Old Testament principle for giving was called tithing. You gave 10% of your crops, your money, to the Lord. The New Testament principle is right here. You give as you prosper. That means many of us will give more than 10%. Now, I was preaching this, and after uh, the sermon, a guy comes up, Pastor Tom, tithing is Old Testament. You're trying to get us under the Old Testament law. Christians don't have to tithe. We're free from the law. And I said to him, all right, let's ask this. The Old Testament Jew knew this much about the love of God and was moved to tithe. Now Christians, after the death and resurrection of Christ, we know this much about the love of God. Now do you think we'll be moved to give less or more than an Old Testament Jew? <laughs> My point is this, I think tithing is a minimum. It, one, once you know what Jesus has done for you, you're going to want to give more than 10%. Next principle. Now this comes from Acts chapter 20, where Jesus is quoted as saying, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, Luke, Jesus said in Luke 6, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken, together running over will be put into your lap. 2 Corinthians 9, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So here's this principle from those verses. You get blessed when you give because of the law of the harvest. Um, I will tell you that when I am watching television, it's sad to me that at least 50%, I think, of the preachers on TV are preaching the health and wealth gospel, that if you believe in Jesus, you're going to be healthy, you're, everything's going to be healed, you're going to get money, you're going to prosper. That's a false doctrine. There's some truth in it. The Bible does teach when you give to God, you do get back. But it never says you get back a Cadillac or a Learjet. <laughs> Sometimes he gives us material blessings back, but better yet is when the spiritual blessings. We leave to God how he blesses us back. But there is the truth that when you give, in some way, you always get back. So do you understand the law of harvest? Um, 
when you give a lot, you get a lot. When you give little, you get back little. So hear this. If you are stingy, you hurt you. Do you realize that? If you're stingy, you're hurting you. I mean, here's a wife that says, you know, Pastor, I think my husband's wallet is made out of pigskin. <clears throat> Pastor says, what do you mean, pigskin? Well, when he opens his wallet, which is hardly ever, it squeals. <laughs> so um, the point is, if you don't give generously, you're hurting you. Do you realize that? Uh, the law of the harvest. I mean, let's, <clears throat> let's talk for a moment about being cheap. I like being cheap. When people call me cheap, I kind of take that as a compliment. I love going to garage sales. I love getting a, a sport coat that somebody paid $100 for, for $4. Can I tell you my best find? Here we go. I'm at a garage sale, and here's this animation cell from Walt Disney from the 1950s for 50 cents. I bought it. I looked it up on eBay. Do you know how much this is worth? $500! So my point is, I'm cheap. I like being cheap. It is, a, is it a sin to be cheap? Well, it depends on your motive. If my motive for being cheap is to hoard my money, then I'm sinning. But if my motive is to live simply so I can give money to world missions, then it's okay to be cheap. So the point is, there is this thing called the law of the harvest. When you give, you always get back one way or another. Many years ago, there was a princess by the name of Eugenie in the royal family of Sweden. One day, dear Christian woman who one day sold her diamonds to build a home for the incurably ill. She would now and then visit this home. One day she visited a woman who was dying, and not a Christian woman who was dying, and, and she talked to this woman about Jesus. And as she left, she said to the, the attendant, Take special care of that woman. I would love to see her come to Christ before she dies. Well, the princess eventually goes back to the home. The woman has come to know Christ. She has a smile on her face. And the princess went home and she said to her husband, Honey, today I saw the glitter of my diamonds. <laughs> when you give to God, sometimes he gives back to you financially. But one way or another, Spiritually or physically, he gives back to you. Next principle. Ro uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, food, drink, clothing, shall be yours as well. Here's the next principle. Keep first things first. Do you know that when General Stonewall Jackson was fighting the second battle of Bull Run, during the midst of the battle, that evening he wrote a letter to his pastor. Dear pastor, I remember this next Sabbath is the day upon which the collection is taken for foreign missions. Enclosed, find my check. In the midst of the second battle of Bull Run, Stonewall Jackson remembered the bigger battle for eternal souls, and he sent his gift to the church. Back in the 1700s in England, John Wesley was riding around England on horseback, preaching the gospel all over England. People gave Wesley a lot of money, but he was known for being a simple man who gave it away. And he said these words, I fling money out of my hands as quickly as possible, lest it find a way into my heart. And when Wesley died in 1791, someone wrote of him, John Wesley left behind a few books, 
a well-worn clergyman's gown, a much-abused reputation, because he was hated, and the Methodist Church. Thousands of people came to Christ because of Wesley's ministry. In other words, John Wesley kept first things for, first. Um, God was huge in his life. Money was kind of like this, just a little thing. Next principle for giving. This comes from Hebrews 13. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And 1 Timothy 6, if we have food and clothing, says Paul, with these let us be content. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. Here's the next principle on giving. Be content with the basics. Uh, like I said, I grew up in Omaha. Dad ran the racetrack. We had a pretty good living uh, in my family. We weren't rich, but we were upper middle class, we'll say. Nice house. Then I went to college, and I lived in a cr tiny dorm room four years of college and then the next three years of seminary. And I went from this pretty good and nice house to this tiny dorm room for seven years, and you know what? I was fine. You know, here's a dear older woman who... Christian woman who I talked to, and she had to move out of her house now to go to this one room in a nursing home. I said, how you doing? And she said, fine. <laughs> you know, simple is good. I, I, I had a man in my, in my church who had a cabin up north in Minnesota, and some arsonist broke in to his cabin and burned it to the ground. And you know what he said to me? best day of my life. I don't have to go up north and worry about the windows and lawn mowing and snow. Best day of my life. Point is, be content with the basics. We brought nothing in the world. We're not going to take anything out. Don't get too attached to this world. Next principle from Hebrews chapter 10. You Christians joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Here's, here's the next principle. When you lose something, remember what's coming. When the early Christians were told, either you curse Christ or we're taking your property, they would say, oh, but the property that is mine to come. <laughs> if you're an older person, you have to leave your house to move into a nursing home. Just remind yourself, oh, the room that I've got coming. John Newton was the famous preacher who wrote the hymn Amazing Grace back in the 1700s in England. And John Wesley said this about possessions. Suppose a man was going to New York to take possession of a large estate. Excuse me, John, West, uh, John Newton was in uh, New England. Suppose a man was going to New York to take possession of a large estate, and his carriage breaks down a mile before he gets to the city, which obliged him to walk the rest of the day. What a fool we should think him to be if we saw him wringing his hands and blubbering all the mile, my carriage is broken, my carriage is broken. Do you get the point there? John Wesley is saying, look, we got, we got a mansion coming. Don't gripe about the little stuff that goes on down here. I remember Corey Tenboom said, I hold everything God gives me loosely so it doesn't hurt so bad when he takes it away. Let's hold everything loosely. I'll tell you how. I was at a garage sale. They were selling a Vitamix for, I think I got it for $40. You know how much those things are new? $500. So I was real excited about my Vitamix. I took it home. It worked great. But then one day I did what you're not supposed to do. I took that metal plunger or that, the big plastic plunger, 
and I put it right down into the blades as it was grinding and just wrecked my Vitamix. And it bugged me for, I don't know, two or three days. And then of me just being so mad at myself, it was, I didn't hear a voice, but it was almost as if the Lord said, Tom, it's a blender. Get over it. And we need to hold things loosely in this life because they don't matter. Next principle from Deuteronomy 8. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the power of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers. And then 2 Corinthians 9 says, God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things, you may abound in every good work. So here's the next lesson. Remember who your source is. Your source is not you. Your source is not your bank account. Your source is God. We've got to remember that. Um, I kind of have a barometer inside of me. And when my bank account in the past has gotten to a certain level, I start looking at my bank account a lot more. I salivate a little bit. And when I start thinking too much about money, that's kind of a reminder, Tom, time to write a big check and send it to World Missions. Because <laughs> I don't want my bank account to be my source. I want God to be my source. Last principle. First, Corinthians, First Chronicles chapter 29. The people rejoiced because they had given willingly for a whole, with a whole heart, they offered freely to the Lord. King David also greatly rejoiced. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 9, Let each one do as he has made up in his own mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Here's the last uh, principle today. Your attitude matters. Uh, do you give joyfully? Or do you say, well, okay, I'll do it. I'll, it's my duty, but don't ask me to like it. <laughs> no, your attitude matters in this. Somebody said to the farmer, how much does that old Bessie, the cow, how much milk does that cow give? And the old farmer said, that cow doesn't give anything. If I can get three of my men to get her in the corner, hold her down, I can get eight quarts out of her, but she doesn't give anything. <laughs> well, there are church people like that. And listen, your attitude matters. And, and if you give begrudgingly or stinfully, uh, stingily, you got to pray, God, give me an attitude adjustment. Help me remember that Jesus has forgiven all my sins. He died a horrible death so I could be forgiven. Spend eternity someday in your presence. Lord, help me remember that. Help me become a joyful giver. If you're not a joyful giver, you got to pray a lot, maybe, for an attitude adjustment. There was an Indian chief who had been a convert from heathenism. And he gave a lot of money once to a missionary. And the missionary said, you know, you're not that wealthy. Why do you give so much money? And the Indian chief said to the missionary, ah, you have never been in the darkness, have you? <laughs> you know the, the reason we give? is because I once was lost and now I am found. I was blind and now God has given me Jesus and now I see. That's why we give. Let's review this. How should I give in these times of financial crisis? Number one, get into a weekly habit of giving. Don't wait till the end of the year. That shows no faith. Number two, everybody gives. Poor people are some of the best givers in the church. Number three, give as you prosper. 
Uh, number four, you get blessed when you give. Remember that, the law of the harvest. Number five, keep first things first. Number six, be content with the basics. You don't need a huge house. Number seven, when you lose something, remember what you've got coming. Number eight, remember who your source is. It's the Lord, not your bank account. And number time, your attitude matters. One last thing here. In England, there are two gravestones. One gravestone says this, Here lies a miser who lived for himself and cared for nothing but gathering pelf, that's wealth. Now where he is or how he fares, nobody knows and nobody cares. But there's a second grave in St. Paul's Cathedral in London that says this, Sacred to the memory of Charles George Gordon, who at all times and everywhere gave his strength to the weak, his substance to the poor, his sympathy to the suffering, his heart to God. Now the, the closing question I have of you, which of those two gravestones is yours? If you were to die right now, would you be man number one or man number two? Amen. Welcome to the portion of the pastor study where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with him. Pastor Brock, I want to thank you for talking about tithing in the sense of the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that happens so often, and I've never had an answer, is when you talk about Christians being required to tithe or should be tithing, mm -hmm. they always come up with the fact that it's an Old Testament teaching for the Jews. Mm -hmm. It's not applicable to today. Mm -hmm. And you're using the New Testament verses really helped. Mm -hmm. So my first question regarding tithing for you would be, is what is your opinion of should a Christian tithe to their local church or can they divide their tithe up between things? I've always personally believed my tithe should go to my local church. Mm -hmm. And anything I give above that, I consider gifts. Mm -hmm. Is that wrong? No, that's the way I do it too. My tithe, my 10% of my salary goes to my local church. That's where I'm being fed. That's where the people uh, that, and that's where I have, we have missions uh, that we support through our church all over the world. So my 10% of my salary goes to my church, my local church. My offerings, which is above and beyond the 10%, I give wherever I want. I like to, like to give to Campus Crusade for Christ. I love to give to Samaritan's Purse, feeding the hungry in Jesus' name. So there's all kinds of things I give with my offerings, but my tithe goes to my church. You talked about um, the financial problems that America's in and people using that as an excuse. I guess, can we take that question maybe or that statement one little bit further? Do you think that America's financial problems are maybe a judgment from God? That's my opinion. The answer is yes. I believe that. Now, because our national God in America is money, we're about one of the wealthiest nations on earth. And you can tell it because we worship money here. I mean. Money, 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 money is, is America's God. And so when God has to deal with America, he's going to deal with our false God. So that's why the economy is a mess. That's my opinion. Okay. Yeah. And then you talked about the prosperity preachers. Is there any truth in the prosperity mm -hmm. gospel? I uh, mean... Well, yeah. There, I mean, it is true that when you give to the Lord, you always get back. My point is, sometimes that's spiritual getting back, sometimes it's an emotional thing, some, you know, there's all kinds of ways God can give back. It never says uh, follow Christ to get more money in the Bible, it never says follow Christ and you'll get a nicer car. All the, you know, some, some of these health and wealth preachers, and they're, drive, they're flying Learjets, 
<laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, Jackie, I don't want to fly. What, is, if, if, what does it say when a pastor drives the best car of anybody in this church? The health and wealth people would say, see, that's living proof that God's alive. No, it isn't. It's living proof that you should live simply and give some of that money to missions. That's my opinion. <laughs> okay. And you said that attitude matters. Mm -hmm. So I guess, what do you say to a person that says to you, well, I just don't feel like giving right now? Uh-huh. I'd say give anyway. You know, we don't live our life by our feelings. Lots of times, Jackie, I don't feel like praying. I pray anyway. Lots of times I don't feel like giving money to the Lord. I give money to the Lord anyway. You know, if we live by our feelings, we won't do anything. Okay, Pastor Brock, are there any guides that a person should use to evaluate um, to know that their money is going to be yeah. going to those who really need right. need it and it's going to yeah. benefit? I, I normally, Jackie, I uh, give to groups that have the ECFA seal. What is that? Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. This is kind of a watchdog group, and if you're a part of this network, that means you let them look at your finances and you're above board. If a group will, will not submit to something like the ECFA, I don't give them money. And again, Campus Crusade for Christ is a great national, a worldwide ministry. Uh, Samaritan's Purse, Compa Compassion International, all kinds of great Christian ministries. I personally look, do they have the ECFA seal on them? And if they don't, I, I, I called this one ministry twice because I wanted to give them money. They won't respond. They won't, they won't return my call. I'm not giving them my money. Okay, but now we were talking before about your local church, but if your local church is doing something that you're not happy in, mm -hmm. then you should probably be out church shopping. I, uh, yeah, here's the deal. I mean, I think you have the right to withhold your money if grievous stuff is going on. Well, I want to say the ELCA yeah. that's doing things. If you right. are still in an ELCA congregation, might you not want to give them as much? Right. Uh, I, I would recommend if you're still in the ELCA Lutheran Church, see if your, your church will withhold money from the ELCA. It's not going to do any good. They've already made their decision to pay for abortions. They pay for abortions in the ELCA health care plan. They've made their decision to ordain practicing homosexuals. Personally, I think everybody should get out of the ELCA Lutheran Church, Presbyterian Church USA, the United Church of Christ, the Episcopal Church in America, and they should join other branches of those same denominations. There are good Episcopal uh, uh, branches now that are not uh, and, you know, good Presbyterian churches, too. So time to, time to jump ship, is my opinion. Well, we want to thank you for being with us this week. I'm going to let Tom close the show out very quickly here. But we would like to tell you a little bit about what's happened to change the pastor study and our goals. Thanks. Well, everybody, we are on nationally now on WHT uh, Direct TV uh, Sunday mornings at 830. Uh, we're on Channel 6 cable TV in the Twin Cities have been for 23 years. We just added Channel 45 in the Twin Cities at 1030 Sunday morning. This costs a lot of money, $50,000 per six months. You may see us in a few months. Uh, you will because we have enough money for about four more months. Pray for the Lord to provide the funding for the rest of this because we'd love to stay on the air. But pray for us. If, if you're nudged to help, uh, you'll see the address at the end of the show. God bless you. We'll see you next time on The Pastor's Study. Thank you for watching The Pastor's Study. You can watch more of our programs at pastorstudy.org. We are on the air preaching the gospel of Christ because of our generous support of you, our viewers. Would you consider supporting our ministry? 
you may do so at pastorstudy.org. Or write The Pastor Study, P.O. Box 41294, Minneapolis, Minnesota 55441. May the blessing of our one triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Interested in purchasing this show or a past show on DVD? How about an audio CD from the Pastor Study on radio? Or perhaps you simply want to watch a past show from our archives. You can do this and many more on our website. We invite you to visit us at www.pastorstudy.org.